Optimism, Optimus Prime. <laughs> Which I... Well, I mean, I, I I don't know if I'm just dumb, but I finally got it today when I was watching Transformers 5. Optimus Prime, like Optimus Prime. Optimus. I, I really, like, I don't know if y'all have been thinking about that, but that, uh, that really, after five three-hour Transformers movies, I finally found out that it's it's like optimist mm-hmm. but it's Optimus prime i don't know it's uh it's cute i was very pleased with myself that i finally <laughs> got to the root the core the all spark of the transformers franchise after this I'm, amount of time <laughs> i'm very pleased with you too jason <laughs> it is well warranted which i honestly i wish we were together in person to like have a pinata or a, a like a party of some kind that we finished yeah. all of the transformers or mm-hmm. at least the michael bay transformers yeah. movies well, uh, it's not it's not really we don't need to celebrate finishing the michael bay series we really need to celebrate yeah. finishing the transformers movies oh yeah like that that's the ultimate milestone right there the rest like yeah we can we can watch Six Underground can't be. What I saw wasn't that great. (laughs) But I mean, I I at least like know there's there's some sort of I don't know. I just Transformers they all bleed together for me. Where it's I don't know what is going on half the time. But this this one was probably the most coherent one, and I think this is uh, my favorite of all of them. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, it's still bad. Anything. It's still really bad. <laughs> Not as bad. It, it, <laughs> well, it's funny because it, 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 I think this was the first one to uh, not do as well. Like, not even, like, critically, all the Transformers movies have, have been kind of, you know, on the negative side because mm-hmm. they're kind of dog shit movies. Um, but this one got, like, especially sort of bad reviews and didn't. Um, sort of bring the amount of money they were hoping for the return on their income because or on their investment because the last move the last couple uh broke a mm-hmm. billion dollars at the box office and this yeah. worldwide made about 605 million dollars so whereas it was profitable on some hand i'm sure paramount lost some money somewhere because i don't know if it was just burnout from all of the superhero movies like you know, 2017 was a huge year well, it's, for a bunch of movies. One of the big things movies. that tanked them globally um, was China yeah. started getting burnt out. This was the first one that China didn't turn up for as much as it had the others. Well, didn't it, like, invest in it? There was, like, a title card for Huey Huey uh, Corporation or something, and I didn't know if that was attached to I any of the other movies. kind of or remember that being company. in the fourth one, but I'm not positive on that. Yeah, because I think it was, because that's part of why they shot part of the fourth one in hong kong yeah i mean they're inexplicably they just show up in hong kong and the rest of the movie plays out in the fourth one and you're like okay uh what does this mean why are we here all right i guess we should introduce this thing welcome to the vulgar auteurs where we examine the filmographies of genre and underrated filmmakers we are in the midst of a mini-series on the films of Michael Bay. And today, we are finally, blissfully, talking about the last of the Transformers movies. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. Producer Evan is clapping there. Producer Evan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
you know, just like one of the Transformers says in this movie, um, free at last, free at last, uh, <laughs> thank Zeus Almighty or whatever, uh, which is, you know, very cute. I love, uh, you know, the emancipation of uh, a Transformer. Um, mm-hmm. So off mic, we were discussing whether it would be possible for me to actually go through all the plot points because these movies blend together so much. So I'm going to try to go through everything that happens in this movie. Uh, It starts with maybe my favorite shot in the film, which is the Paramount logo with three balls from catapults flying (laughs) over the mountain and onto a battlefield. It's like... 400 common era and King Arthur and the Knights of the round table are fighting off against the Saxon hordes. Uh, and it's honestly pretty fucking oh, epic. It's fucking bad. <laughs> uh, but I have no idea who anyone is or who's fighting who for like the first five minutes of this fight yeah. until you see like all the Arthurian knights in their armor. Because there's like other random dudes fighting each other. Yeah. That's never explained. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, no idea. They're facing down an impossible fight that they can't they're win. They're outnumbered 100 to 1. Arthur says, don't worry. We just got to, you know, believe in Merlin. And Stanley Tucci is a drunk as fuck Merlin who goes to a spaceship in like the... Irish Isles, I want to say. Yeah. And uh, convinces these old Transformer knights to transform into basically King Ghidorah. It's a three-headed dragon. Yeah. And then King Ghidorah flies over to the battlefield and just kills the shit out of all the Saxons. Yeah. Like Game of Thrones. the day so. is won. But... Yeah. And then, it, and then, what? It's like title card, and that's when the movie lost me because I honestly, and I, I'm not even saying this, like the opening to this movie just kicked ass. Like it, it, it leaned into the ridiculousness of all of this. Of like, you had seen four other Transformers movies, and it ended with Dinobots, and now we're in like Arthurian time, and you have Stanley Tucci as Merlin different character than the one that he played in the previous movie he's drinking he's like drunk off of like a twist did you notice that the wine or whatever he was drinking was like a twist off cap <laughs> i did not notice that no. i laughed so hard uh really <laughs> yeah i honestly was like oh th- i am so stoked this is going to take place in like the the medieval times this is going to be like army of darkness with like transformers and stanley tucci as merlin this is like i was so on board and then that was all of it and then and then we get uh, reintroduced to the, our new set of heroes from the last movie so one of the things i remember hearing when this movie came out a couple years ago that i tried to find proof of and couldn't today was that michael bay was trying to get a king arthur movie off the ground around this time, hmm. but this was the same time Guy Ritchie's King Arthur movie was being financed and coming out. <laughs> so he couldn't get his King Arthur movie made. Oh, man. Uh, oh bummer. I wish we could have seen the 20,000th uh, adaptation of that story. 
but <laughs> the best part of this movie is the King Arthur shit. Yeah. And like, he was basically just like, fuck you. I'm going to make Transformers partly a King Arthur movie. Uh, and part World War II revisionist history movie with a watch that a Transformer that killed Hitler. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Sorry to do that. <laughs> but there's just so many implications of some of this shit. Uh, so yeah, uh, the battle is won. It's modern day, and we're in the burnt out ruins of Chicago. And these four fucking kids from the suburbs decide to go through Soldier Field. And then I want to say they get all the way uptown in this like post apocalyptic, like robot ice is around hunting for migrants. Yeah. Um, they're called like the IRT or something, but basically they're killing all the migrant transformers. And uh, these kids make it up to the spot. And then there's these two like ED 209 looking motherfucking sentry robots that start targeting them and attacking them. And one of our new heroes, Isabella. Yeah. uh, I want to say Izzy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Comes out and saves them uh, with her little sidekick, cute transformer. Who's like BB-8. One of the first, like, of the many Star Wars correlations I kind of found in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, run away, and the government is sort of chasing them. And they're under a big transformer called Canopy. And then the... Transformer Ice just murks the shit out of Canopy. Mm -hmm. Just like airstrikes the shit out of this thing, protecting like five children. Uh, And that's when Cade Yeager and Bumblebee show up to (laughs) save the day. Uh, Yeah, Bumblebee shows off this skill that I don't think was in any of the other Transformers movies where he disassembles himself uh in every part is a moving thing like his head is off his whole body and he's shooting something and his arm is like attacking someone else like it's completely disassembled mm-hmm. it was like reanimator type shit uh and then comes back together again and you know they're in the car i think and it sets off this antagonism with the head of robot ice yeah uh which fuck ice and robot ice yeah abolish them both yeah uh, um, but so Robot Ice is now mad at Cade Yeager and all the other little kids fuck off but Izzy does she oh wait before they all fuck off somehow Cade Yeager god it's so fucking hard to explain these movies yeah. there's like 20 million things that don't matter all happening at the same time uh, like in in the, he does another trickaroo thing where I, I uh, this was uh, in it came out in 2017 and the first parts with the kids kind of reminded me of Stranger Things like they're going through these ruins of Chicago and you know they're looking for Bane in that uh, football field uh, you know from the Dark Knight Rises uh, but uh, I feel like oh this is interesting you're gonna have Mark Wahlberg show up and protect these kids or the kids are going to be part of this and it's going to have like a stranger things vibe and izzy is the only character that kind of swings around uh and like is at 
Cade's like uh, junkyard place or his adventure workshop place. Well, before we get there, uh, at some point when he's in Chicago, I think it's after this fight, he stumbles across a dead Transformer knight. Yeah. Uh, or a dying Transformers knight, and the knight gives him like a tablet deal mm-hmm. that we learn is the first sign of the apocalypse. Yeah. Then they go over to the Badlands, and Izzy is the only kid, like the other kids fuck off back to the suburbs, and Izzy and her robot friend are there. I feel like, did she sneak along? I can't remember. I, I'm embarrassed because I saw this today. Uh, yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> these movies, I like make notes, and these movies still leave oh, my cool. head as soon as I finish watching them. Yeah. I know later in the movie, she sneaks onto a plane. So I feel like she sneaks her way over there. Yeah. Because Mark Wahlberg's like, you can't stay here. You got to go. Yeah. Uh, Bro. But... Uh, what's his name? The uh, comedian Gerard uh, Carmichael. Carmichael, Amazing. yeah, Lo- love that comedian. Uh, Gerard is there as the vice president of operations of this basically junkyard, uh, and we have all our Transformer friends from the last movie. We've got uh, Ken Watanabe and uh, John Goodman Man or whatever. <laughs> Doesn't he feature the Mercedes uh, symbol, you know, dominantly on his uh, chest? I'm sure he does. I don't know how I didn't see that, but yeah, there's one that wouldn't looks, surprise it me. Looks like a Power Ranger Zord, but with a Mitsubishi logo in the center of the chest, like as its crest. I totally didn't catch that. I, I don't know. Like, unless I'm totally mistaken, right. unless yeah. it's a Decepticon or something, there's one that just is obnoxious where you're like, oh god. But yeah, all uh, of the robot friends are there, and then she, you know, is witness to them. There's also not only the big dinosaurs, uh, the T-Rex is getting in trouble because he keeps eating cars. Oh, best uh, in the whole movie. I laughed so hard at that, I'm dumb, but it was very cute. I, that's an example of them... Yeah. Having fun with this, that it's not, it shouldn't be so stupid. I mean, it all, it all is stupid, but as serious and, you know. Yeah, but it's fun because Mark Wahlberg is uh, basically treating the T-Rex like a dog. Like, don't eat it. Cough it out. Yeah, like, uh, he's there looking for the chief's car, and there's a weird, awkward scene where he's like, hey, chief, or something, and the, the person looks like their uh, First Nations person, you know, like, he's saying it as a racial slur of like, Hey chief, when really he's the chief of police and they have to explain this weird interaction that it, like, mm-hmm. why are you including this? But either way, he's looking for his car um, and knows that, you know, one of his little transformers took it. So he goes to the junkyard and finds the dinosaur from the last movie uh, eating this. And it's kind of like a, no, put that down, put that down. And it's showing this, treating it like it's you know a dog a domesticated animal it was very cute and funny there's also baby transformer oh dinosaurs they're so there's cute. Like, oh, wow. baby t-rexes and they're living in his trailer with him but then one of them is like learning how to do fire like mm-hmm. breathe fire and he's like oh you're getting big but you can't like breathe fire in the trailer mm-hmm. and it's kind of cute uh 
And like the pterodactyl like brings him a beer. <laughs> that's a callback to the last movie, uh, where he had engineered a invented. robot who <laughs> yeah, yeah, he invented a robot who tried to bring him beer and couldn't. Yeah. Uh and now so now he's got a fridge full of Bud Light and a pterodactyl that'll bring it to him. Um, There's also cute. oh one one crucial point we missed. Oh God, this is this is going to be a struggle. Uh, <laughs> but back in Chicago, Robot Ice shot a tracker oh, onto yeah. Bumblebee. And at this point, Cade Yeager and Bumblebee are like, you know, public enemy number one. And so Robot Eyes teams up with the Decepticons to go attack the junkyard. Uh, and so Megatron and this police robot, uh, where instead of protect and serve it says i think punish and enslave yeah he has like uh, on his hands it's almost like a callback to night of the hunter where it's yeah. like pun it or, well no they're brass knuckles. Yeah, brass knuckles it's like um do the right yeah, thing do the right thing yeah uh, but with punish and enslave yeah <laughs> um, just uh anyway so they go there and then all the good guys fuck off to this like conveniently abandoned town nearby where they set a trap and it doesn't really go well. And there's a bunch of, <sighs> none of the combat is really important. Like Gerard Carmichael thinks he's sacrificing himself, but he just gets shot with a beanbag. He's and... also like, they, all of these have the same formula, which I think is why it throws me off that I can't determine which, which from which, because um, Gerard Carmichael is like, I mean, he's a better TJ Miller, but he's like, oh, he's the comedic, uh, you know, sidekick. And he's like mm-hmm. in it for some reason. And granted, I really uh, enjoyed his sort of enthusiasm because he, he definitely has a different uh, vibe than a lot of the other characters that have been in these movies. But it's also just, it, it falls in that formula. And then you're thinking, okay, um, where are we going to go with Cade and his character? And in the trailer uh, with his uh, new friend Izzy, who's you know hanging out with him, uh, is it gets into the idea that like his daughter, who was featured in the last movie, is in college, and you know he's feeling lonely, and she just wants him to get laid or go dating and stuff. And and then with this girl there, I was like, oh cool. The girl was talking about how um, she doesn't have family anymore, and I didn't know if like she was on the streets or she was houseless or, or just, she was not taken care of. And I thought, Oh, this is going to be an interesting story because he's going to support his daughter, you know, who's at school, but also taken this kid. Cause he, he mentions at the junkyard that he's kind of like, uh, all of these are like, you know, uh, stray dogs that he's, you know, adopted. And I was like, Oh, this is sweet because his daughter has gone and he's lonely um, he's going to kind of adopt this this girl and she's going to be kind of like a bigger part of this franchise. Or, and then the other side of me was like, and then maybe team up with those kids and it's going to be like a Mighty Ducks thing where Wahlberg <laughs> is just going to corral these kids and they're going to solve this mystery or they're going to be transported to medieval times because I was keeping that in the back of my head, uh, the opening of the movie of, okay, cool, Stanley Tucci is so fucking awesome as Merlin. 
uh, he has to be in the rest of the, like, we, we have, like, are, is everyone going to be transported back in time? Because the trailer, which I saw before I saw the movie, it almost seemed to indicate that it was going to take place all in that time period, the Arthurian time. Uh, and there's even a part where he's like climbing up a building, uh, Mark Wahlberg, and it looks like he's in like Damascus or something. When really he's in, you know, wherever they are, uh, New York or uh, Chicago or wherever. Um, but it's it's just so jarring uh, how much it turns into a cartoon. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, when Gerard, like they're being hunted by drones uh, during this big conflict in the city um, because they were being tracked and, you know, all that stuff. And it turns into the Shia LaBeouf, uh, you know, vine um, swinging moment from Indiana Jones, where Mark Wahlberg is jumping from yeah. droid to droid, like oh uh, like a Super Mario game. And it's it's just, I, I read uh, after the movie was over, you know, just some trivia things about it on IMDb and other places. And Mark Wahlberg was signed on for three movies, but could opt out at any time. And he opted out of the third one in his contract after this movie. And I'm sure it's because it is cartoony as fuck when he's like mm-hmm. jumping droid to droid, you know, being cornered. Yeah. Meanwhile, Anthony Hopkins and his robot butler are hanging out in England. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Cogman. <laughs> Yeah, Hogman, one of the uh, coolest uh, characters in the whole movie, too. That dude, Cogman. I fucking hated the shit out of Cogman. Oh uh, my gosh, <laughs> he was uh, a C three PO. Like George Lucas would should sue them for literally ripping off a lot of weird shit. They even mentioned C three PO in the movie too. Okay. Yeah, it's like, what if C three PO could kick ass? Is basically the question Michael Bay asks in this movie. Yeah, like he's still annoying, but he can beat the shit out of anyone. A question uh, nobody asked. <laughs> yeah. So they're hanging out in uh, England, and when Mark Wahlberg, Berg oh, Wahlberg. is given the uh, yeah, Wahlberg, Wahlberg <laughs> yeah, no, is given the uh, fucking crest deal. Yeah, uh, it activates something, and they go looking for Wahlberg. And there's also a professor. Who, not Angelina Jolie. Yeah, God. <laughs> I she really has that vibe though. Totally. Um, she was so familiar. I was like, gosh, you're a cross between like Angelina Jolie and like some other actor. Like she just looked so familiar. It was remarkable. It's kind of incredible how it feels like the Transformers movies are a career killer for any actress involved. <laughs> Um, yeah, but except Francis McDormand, I love you. Francis. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, any of the uh, romantic sure co-leads? Yeah, the uh, idol. Uh, you know the the uh, really bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in the first hour of this movie, her whole thing is she doesn't believe in magic or anything, and also despite being a supermodel looking doctorate in three different yeah. fields she can't get a date and and her mom or whatever and her friends desperately want her to get laid mm-hmm. which comes into play later in the movie in a really funny gag that's a mike it, it, at this point it's totally a mike bay gag oh dude it 
no one else has that little understanding of human interaction. <laughs> uh, but we'll get there. Uh, so. Oh, but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, if I can go back to the junkyard for one moment, there's two okay. parts that I had to mention. One was uh, I, you had uh, talked earlier about Steve Buscemi and John Goodman are in the same like scene as Transformers, a little Big Lebowski reunion, which John Turturro also shows up again in this movie, uh, albeit away from you know John Goodman and uh, Steve Buscemi. But Steve Buscemi plays like a hunchbacked uh, Transformer junk pile named Day Trader, and, and that was very weird. <laughs> and then your introduction, I think, in the movie, because he, he was introduced in the last movie, but John Goodman's character, Mudflap, or whatever his name is, uh, is like he introduces himself like his comedic thing is like you know oh I ate some bad Mexican machinery and I've been like you know shitting farting or farting <laughs> yeah. like, it really I feel like this movie has a different spirit than the other ones like I feel like at this point everyone was kind of burned out and were willing to like be outrageous like they leaned into I feel like the last two movies have a different energy. They're, they're not amazing, but they're mm -hmm. so much more palatable than the Shia LaBeouf trilogy. I uh, was, you're bringing up John Turturro made me think of something. All of his scenes are in Cuba away from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it gave me, I couldn't find any production details online about this movie, but it gave me very serious reshoots vibes. Yeah. Like, it felt like there were things that weren't clear to test audiences, so they hired John Turturro for 500000 bucks or something and <laughs> brought him in to have these scenes where he's calling Anthony Hopkins and explaining things. Because uh, that's his whole role. Oh, totally. It, it's so funny you say that. I wrote that down in my notes because I thought it was so weird that he shows up periodically in the movie to explain a plot point or to lead our character because he's working with Anthony Hopkins, um, you know, trying to give information, um, you know, uh, to propel, you know, the story. And he's randomly featured at like phone booths in Havana. And I'm thinking, gosh, you, you probably paid him a hundred grand to, you know, while he's vacationing in, in Cuba to just go to a phone booth and we'll shoot you do these, you know, exposition scenes um, mm. you know, because he shows up like maybe two or three times. There's even no, um, I don't think you even, he has an arc or any, like he doesn't show up in the end or he doesn't have anything going on, but. In now he never interacts with another no. character except over the phone. It's, it's, it's literally like that photo booth, uh, shoemaker movie, right? Wasn't that a Schumacher movie? The, the it was it's yeah, yeah. literally, he doesn't do anything but talk to Anthony Hopkins on the phone. I also. I think it's kind of cool that the only country that isn't oppressing the Transformers is Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> they've given everyone asylum, which I don't know, maybe Cuba is not executing people now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like, I feel like there was this push right in like 2017 to make it so that like we loved cuba yeah like obama had just opened it up mm -hmm. and like yeah. films were able to sure. shoot there but i feel like part of that is kind of like the communist china thing where you can't make cuba look bad yeah uh, mm -hmm. which 
I don't know. I I have complicated feelings about. I feel like we villainize Cuba more than we should, mm-hmm. given that we are allies with Saudi Arabia. But I also feel like, hey, maybe don't make Cuba the good guys either. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't I, even feature Cuba too. Like they, it, it they been, just mention offhand like, that it, like it could have been in Little Havana in L.A. Like they could have literally. This was down the street from John Turturro's house. You know, like it, yeah, it's so like not an identity piece. It's not like the White Cliffs of Dover, like this beautiful. Well, it's job. so weird that in the opening narration. Optimus Prime, or no, it's not Optimus Prime. Whoever's doing the opening narration, I can't even remember now. And I just watched Anthony it this Hopkins. Morning. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony is, Hopkins. Which is yeah. exactly like in the Grinch movie, where he's, I was expecting him to go like, little Sue you know, He's doing the same thing where just thinking of Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, giving this dialogue. And not only that, but he has some killer one-liners where he's like you know we'll get there yeah but back to this opening narration uh he just for no necessary reason is like and the only country that is letting the undocumented aliens in is cuba yeah uh and it's like shots of transformers playing soccer and john Turturro drinking a mojito and bitching about it yeah totally weird (laughs) super weird Uh, but back to where we were in the overall plot breakdown, all of the things are starting to converge. Hopkins and Cogman know that Wahlberg has activated this thing. So Cogman flies out to South Dakota and takes Wahlberg and Bumblebee uh, and leaves Izzy with the other Transformers because uh, Cogman says, they're only after you. Like your friends will be safe if you leave and come with me, which is bullshit because if I am wanted by the federal government for like serious crimes and Jason, you know where I am and you aid and abet me. Yeah. And then I go away. They're not just going to not come fucking arrest you. Oh, totally. (laughs) Uh, they cut back to the car yard later, and I was just like, "How the fuck are these people still there?" Yeah, like, like no one. They would have wakeed the shit oh, out of this car yard for sure, for sure. Or Operation but, Move the shit out of it. At least. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, I feel like it's Waco because it's more rural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so Wahlberg is on his way to Britain. Uh, Professor Lady, God, forgive me, I can't remember her name. Uh, I can't remember either. (laughs) And my computer has decided to not be great right now. Uh, Professor Lady gets kidnapped by her car, who speaks French with a French accent for no reason. They just say that's what his voice sounds like. Yeah, and I mean, I read his name is Hot Rod, and I actually read on IMDb that Michael Bay just thought it would add more to his character of just having a French accent, and that makes sense because his only inter- other interaction is the characters saying uh, like, "Oh, we can't understand you." Mm-hmm. Laura Haddock is Vivian Wembley, Vivian, the, uh, okay. actress. Yeah, so Vivian gets kidnapped, and is brought to this estate 
And then they have like a big expedition exposition dump that is made so much better by Anthony Hopkins talking about the Witwickians. Oh yeah. And his ancestors. Cause he gets lying like, that's my great great uncle who died of drinking sewage. Yeah. Uh, Holy fuck. <laughs> I honestly think that they shot this at, at Sir Anthony Hopkins' house, and he was in some <laughs> fugue state because his dialogue is so amazing. It, Dude, it, it tickled me to no end. I, he actually was bringing a lot of effort to this, oh, which yeah. surprised me. Uh, one of the things they have mentioned several times on Blank Check, uh, that podcast, is that apparently... Anthony Hopkins will do this thing where he'll write NAR on a script, which means no acting required. <laughs> uh, and so he did a ton of NAR work in the past 20 years where he just showed up and did his bit. Oh, sure. I could see that. But this feels like he's, he's doing some acting. Yeah. Like, he's putting the work in. And he's making an effort to be like a sassy, bitchy old man. Well, like he's playful. Uh, he's playful in a way that's actually charming. Like he, he he really steals every scene that he's in. Like we were talking about like he has these one-liners that come out of nowhere. Like, you know, they're talking about uh, him and uh, the professor are talking about Michael or Mark Wahlberg's sex life. And he, for some reason, it's an awkward exchange where it's meant for nervous laughter, I'm guessing, with these 13-year-olds with their family, their moms who are taking them to this. But yeah. he's just like, no whoopee, Mr. Cade. And it, he just says, like, strange things, even, like, terms that are so strange coming out of Anthony, you know, uh, did I say Anthony Perkins? Anthony Hopkins' mouth. Um, like, you know, what a bitching car she is. And it's just strange. Like, I feel like it was, like, Michael Bay going like, hey, say this. <laughs> Just, I want to hear you say it. I definitely feel like he, again, I couldn't find a lot of production history on this movie. Yeah. Uh, but just the vibe I get was that this was one Hopkins took because he just wanted to fuck around and have some fun. Oh, totally. And he doesn't get to do a lot of that. Well, like, this is a side of Hopkins I don't think I've ever seen. He's always the serious guy, whether it's Westworld or thor like any of this modern shit well he's always i was expecting him to take kind of a darker twist like westworld sort of vibe where it's like you know typically never trust the rich person in the mansion who has all these like resources and stuff and he's actually a sympathetic character but the whole movie i was kind of expecting the shoe to drop where he's just like you know mm -hmm. i'm megatron's son or something <laughs> i don't know like yeah. Wit Wit Wikis are a uh, part of Decepticon blood, which you know, spoilers. But Shia LaBeouf reappears for a second in yeah. a weird <gasps> computer-generated, like photoshopped, bad-looking, just strange picture in a frame at Anthony Hopkins' house. Uh, that was bonkers. That was so weird to me. Uh, uh, but at the end, it didn't offer any new info about Sam Witwicky. It just yeah, it doesn't say no, what he's doing. Just, um, oh, he's a Witwicken. Which I know they explained, and I think the second movie. Yeah, with the dad, it was like the terror, you know, the the book uh, by Dan Simmons, but with yeah, uh, but with Transformers. But I don't remember how that worked. Were they a society looking for Transformers, or were they always working with them? Because I thought yeah. in the other one they were looking for the Transformers. That's what I thought too, as like allies. Like they wanted to unite them. But mm -hmm. now Cogman just seems to have been with 
the Wiccans for centuries. Yeah. Uh, like so it, like I was really confused. For the Wiccans. Yeah, it's, it's again, a lot of, like, Dark Knight shit. I swear to God. But... Then that's when we get the exposition that Bumblebee used to be called like LB7. And he was basically a member of a human and Transformers Inglorious Bastards type uh, behind enemy line squad (laughs) uh, going around occupied Europe and killing Nazis. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which... Between that and the fact that there's like a crazy Decepticon watch that killed Hitler, yeah, also introduced in the scene. It's just like it's there's so much info to take in, and like I think Mark Wahlberg, I think, is looking at this uh, this watch, and then it transform. It's in like this glass case, like the Beauty and the Beast rose case, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden it starts to like transform, and Anthony Hopkins like oh, you know, be careful, uh, that killed Hitler. And then he puts it down, and you're like, wait, I want to see that fucking movie. Like, I want to see an Alfred not directed by an alleged uh, sex pervert, uh, or a a sexual offender, I should say, alleged, uh, you know, a Valkyrie-type movie, but with Transformers. Like, if you made, you know, I want to know how Hitler was murdered by his, you know, (laughs) time, you know, his watch. See, I got to thinking about all the horrendous shit Churchill did mm-hmm. like Churchill starved the fuck out of India yeah and did all this other horrible shit and I was just like so was Bumblebee just kind of like part of that massacre in India totally. in the 30s like, it was like it was <laughs> Rambo and Rambo 3 uh, wasn't it Rambo 3 where he works for the Taliban or he works with the Taliban or something the Mujahideen yeah yeah, uh, yeah uh, wow. so there's a lot of implications there but there's also but then um you know the something that we laughed about in the last episode was the the idea that uh you know they go out of their way to list mark Wahlberg as an inventor he's not an engineer like they have another conversation where he again says i'm an inventor to this uh there's an exchange with um the you know romantic lead uh, where he, you know he, uh, he's like, what are you, a professor, a philosopher, whatever, whatever you are? But this is after he says, oh, I'm an inventor, and it's like, yeah, she, she should say, <laughs> you called yourself an inventor. Like who who calls themselves an inventor? It's it still just boggles my mind. Um, yeah, you can't give me shit, man. Totally. Like they lean into that again, where it's like, oh, this is the part where you could literally retcon how weird and awkward it is to say that your character is an inventor. It just seems mm-hmm. like something like you would say with your action figures, you know, when you're 10 playing, like, oh, this inventor has, has this thing or whatever. It's yeah, or ridiculous. Like 1886. Yeah. I'm an inventor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting too, because it, it does delve into um, Bumblebee's story more. Uh, we forgot to mention early on that I, th- I think it's during the opening um, of the movie too, maybe right after the King Arthur stuff where Optimus Prime is like free floating through space and lands on Cybertron, which is the, you know, their planet. And there's like this Borg queen looking transformer who looks like a goblin or like she look, or they, they, she looks like a Medusa. She's got like snake hair. And uh, oh. she's like basically offering to like, 
oh, Optimus, you can help me, you know, rebuild uh, Cybertron and almost like puts a spell on him or something weird because he now refers to himself as Nemesis Prime and has like a red like glow on half his face or like war paint or something random that Quintessa is the name of the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, But it, it definitely is like a, she says that she created all the transformers. So she calls herself like his God and is able to do this like magical brainwashing shit. So then she sends Optimus back to uh, get the staff of Merlin, which is the MacGuffin for this movie. Uh, do you know MacGuffin, Evan? Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. that like but a maybe, common term? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, in for case you don't know, yeah, for the audience, uh, MacGuffin is a term coined by Hitchcock, which it's basically any time there's a plot device, like a thing that someone needs to go get that doesn't really matter to the story except to drive the plot along. So in this yeah. movie everyone's after the staff of Merlin because that's going to, it's going to do something. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we don't know yet. Well, it's just there as a, uh, as a goal. The good guys want it. I think less to do anything with it than to keep the bad guys from getting it. Uh, but we will see later on. The bad guys do get it for a minute. I see. Uh, I- I also didn't know that uh, it was Hitchcock who coined MacGuffin. I always thought that was an old, old term. I believe it was Hitchcock. That's what they that, taught us. That makes in, uh... I mean, yeah, I would, I would totally trust <laughs> your knowledge on that over mine. But that also makes Hitchcock that much more cool to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Has a plot device. So we're still at this estate with uh, Vivian Wembley. Vivian. Cade Yeager. And uh, Anthony Hopkins. They, they sound like drinks at like a shitty bar. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> like, Kate, I need you... a Vivian Wimbley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vivian Wimbley's. But <laughs> it turns out she's the last descendant of Merlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's the only one who can actually use his staff or something. So anyways, they're talking through all this, and then uh, Robot Ice shows up, and there's a big car chase through England, and Anthony Hopkins reads a book made of goat scrot. Uh, yeah. Because John Turturro keeps being like, the pages are made out of goat scrotum. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> Michael Bay is a 12 year old at heart. Yeah. Uh, God bless him. And Cade and Wembley get away from the cops and go to her house. Yeah. Like, is she living with her mom still? No, because, uh, because she finds out that she's a descendant of Merlin or whatever, they have to go to her dad's study earlier in the movie. But we never see any other house. So it's kind of implied that she lives there. I don't know. I, 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 I felt like she was visiting her mom or whatever. And her mom was giving her shit. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and then she like left and then was embroiled in all of this stuff and then had to return real quick to go to her dad's study. Like I didn't get the vibe that but, she lived there, but but maybe you're right. Yeah, she. Why would you take? Because there's a joke in this scene that the mom and the aunts and the grandma thinks that they're having sex. Yeah. Uh, so why would you it. take a dude to your mom's house to fuck him? Like, that just doesn't seem... I just think it's bad writing. I, I think that's, okay. what makes it confusing. <laughs> that's what makes it confusing because you're also... That scene is so fucking upsetting because you're like, okay, so the mom and the aunts and friends or whatever are like listening to them and they're just going through like innocently going through her dad's study looking for shit. And there's like stupid, like throwaway lines, like, like, Oh, I mean, it's too heavy or, or take it out or eat it. Like, yeah, I can't get it out. And then then you have like her mom and friends like eat dropping eaves as it were, but also going like, Oh fuck. Yeah. He must be like rock hard. And it was so gross where you're like, okay, so you're stoked that your daughter is getting porked in your dad's in, in your husband your 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 widow in your husband's study and you get it's so fucking your daughter weird wants to come over to your house to bang this guy she just met in your husband's study like it's so and weird. one of them says like i want to go look yeah like so, it's just bad writing <laughs> it's it's again it's the it's the the yeah. dumb michael bay doesn't know how humans talk because no. like <laughs> We have scenes like this in every one of these movies, so I know it's not the screenwriters. This is a hundred percent. Michael Bay was like, "We've got to have this scene where the mom thinks that her daughter's getting nailed." Well, I mean, speaking of Alfred Hitchcock, he's trying to do his shitty version of Alfred Hitchcock of like, okay, the audience knows what Mark Wahlberg and not Angelina Jolie's doing, but the family doesn't, so it creates this really funny dynamic comedy where the audience knows more than the other people do. And then the other people are totally oblivious to the fact that they're being listened to in that way. Like it's so dumb that it's the idea that that shows up in a lot of his movies, whether it's like a a misunderstanding of two men in a bathroom stall or Mm -hmm. two men in a, like a video store having a conversation about something not related to what, everyone in the store thinks they're talking about god it, i forgot about it, that it, really, yeah. <laughs> like, it shows up in all of his movies like if we were using the michael bay bingo card you'd have almost <laughs> everything uh you'd have blackout at this point in the movie like i think <laughs> unless i don't know i didn't remember seeing any dry humping uh which is usually something in every one of his movies yeah that's weird you might be right. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah. so <laughs> she finds a fucking uh, pop-up book, and she's able to pull one of the pop-ups out. It's a pop-up book about King Arthur, I think. Yeah, trying to and find it, the, the staff. And it says, like, the Royal Navy Yard, and Anthony Hopkins is like, I knew that's where it was. And so then they go there, and it turns out the submarine that's like the museum is actually a transformer. Fuck yeah! Bet you didn't see that coming, Evan. Oh, hunt for it, October. Wow! So then they get on the submarine and they go. That was the part that was confusing. With Hogman, right? they didn't know where to go. The submarine kind of just took them. Yeah, it was like a rail shooter game. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, they're really just on it for some reason. And meanwhile, like. 
Transformer Ice is in other boats and attacking them. And then they all get to this super underwater spaceship. God, describing this movie is almost more painful than watching it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because at least watching it, like, there's decent cinematography. But I still say that, like, it it jives better than any of the other ones in terms of like, it maybe not like plot making sense wise, but you kind of like, it's not as convoluted of like, okay, cool. They're chosen one or something. Now Mark Wahlberg is uh, the knight and he has some sort of liquid alloy, like T2, you know, tr- uh, Terminator two, I almost said transformers two, uh, you know, and then she's the, you know, the heir or not the heir, but the descendant of Merlin and they're on this well, adventure looking for something. I'm like, okay, I, I understand basically what's going on. It feels like a really dumb national treasure movie. Totally. And like <laughs> Wahlberg is so much more charismatic than LaBeouf, like we talked about last time. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins brings so much to this movie. Oh, like yeah. he's the reason I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Like I didn't love it, but he's having so much fun with these stupid one-liners it's like and he's in an he knows he's seen at Stonehenge, which was my favorite part of the entire movie. That was the dumbest I, fucking I, thing I think I've seen in I any of these Michael Bay movies. Feet. I was on my feet. Uh, Evan, I mean, I'm jumping ahead just a second, but Michael Bay, it's, there's a big thing that happens at Stonehenge and Michael Bay gets like mortared or something. And you see, or not, uh, Anthony Hopkins gets mortared and he goes flying or a stunt double does, but you're like, holy fuck, like, Anthony yeah, Hopkins, dude, there's no way that's Anthony Hopkins. In the air because he got totally like hit by. Well, no, the best part of that is they know the Decepticons are at Stonehenge. Yeah. Also, jumping ahead for a second, uh, they know the Decepticons are at Stonehenge, and Anthony Hopkins goes up to them alone and shoots them with like an old school team yeah. gun. And then once Anthony Hopkins has fired the first shot, like something the penguin like, would have. Waves of soldiers come <laughs> back, like from behind the forest, and there's like tanks attacking. And like, why fucking send that eighty year old man out alone? <laughs> and, and like, why? Like, I've never been to Stonehenge, but I don't think it's in the middle of nowhere. I think there's like an expressway that runs right next to it, or there's like a gift shop or something like there's no way that it it was like in an open field in the middle of nowhere. And I don't, I don't know if that's accurate or like, it looks like they shot there though. I mean, with all the explosions and shit they were doing, I bet they recreated it somewhere mm-hmm. because yeah, that's a pretty sacred ground. Yeah. They went to the Oregon Stonehenge and Eastern Oregon. Right, yeah, Walker, it's Eastern Washington, Washington, right? It's on the is it on? It's on the Washington. Oh yeah, it's on the side, right? The right. World War yeah. One Memorial. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I jumped. They're on the underwater spaceship. Yeah, underwater spaceship. The episode uh, one, Qui Gon Jinn through the core. <laughs> uh, and there's all these knights that they're like transformer knights, and they're like, are these guys dead? And then they open Merlin's tomb, and it turns out Merlin just had, like, a shitty stick of wood buried with him. Uh, and they're like, what the fuck? We came all this way for a piece of wood? And then one of the knights comes alive and attacks them. And I, where do they actually get the staff from? It's, uh... I, oh, it's, uh, uh, when Vivian... 
because she's got Merlin's blood. When she picks up the wooden staff, it turns into the staff of Merlin. Is that right? I, I honestly can't remember. I remember the staff uh, like at the very end and how it was used, but I honestly can't remember at all. And I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's one of those things where when Wahlberg touches it because he's not a blood relative, it doesn't do anything mm, because right. a major right. plot point for the rest of the movie is only she's able to use the staff of the good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then all the other knights come to life and robot ice comes and they start fighting and then nemesis prime comes in and like fucks all the knights up Who's again optimus uh, prime he's they, it's like the superman three thing with the red kryptonite where you know turns superman bad uh it's the same sort of thing where it's optimus prime apparently if you're an asshole you can just call yourself a different name and then once the assholeness wears off then you're optimus prime again uh but yeah <laughs> nemesis prime he like starts fucking shit up and like attacking all the transformers there's a yeah he he wrecks some shit with a giant sword oh yeah and then they're like he's like give me the staff and Wahlberg's like just do it so we don't get murdered and then the ship starts to like fly up and like Nemesis Prime and Ice and which wasn't fallen in there too from Terminator or Transformers Two, who is Tony Todd. Like I, I could have sworn he was one of the adversaries. Maybe, but like the spaceship's rising, and Ice is trying to get off there, but everyone's fighting everyone, and Bumblebee is fighting uh, trying nemesis. yeah he's going after nemesis prime to try to get the staff back and a bunch of the knights are too there's like sword and then, fighting like mark Wahlberg is sword fighting robot like optimus prime or nemesis well that that comes up yeah uh in a minute uh but it's bumblebee fighting nemesis prime with a bunch of other people but that's like the main dramatic spot is there and then Nemesis wins and is about to kill Bumblebee. And Bumblebee speaks for the first time in any of these movies in his own voice and says, like, you're my best friend. I would gladly give my life for you. Yeah, Like, instead and, of being, like, little radio broadcasts, you know, that are being cute, like, little snippets and clips of, mm-hmm. you know, phrases for him to talk through, it, you, his real voice is revealed. And Optimus returns, like, that breaks the mind control. Oh. And he's like... Bumblebee, you haven't spoken in your voice since we left Cybertron. Uh, so then he's good again, and all the knights are trying to kill him because he stole the staff and was being a douche. Mm. Uh, and they beat the shit out of him, and they're about to, like, they're swinging at him with a sword, and they're about to kill him. And the, like, little talisman thing that's been swirling around Mark Wahlberg's body turns into a giant sword and he's able to like use it to deflect the blow. Yeah. Which let me just say as someone who's done some sword fighting, uh, the amount of physics required to deflect a blow from a like 12 story tall building with a 
enormous sword <laughs> would at the very least just rip your arms off and then just kill the guy anyway. Okay, Paco, Paco <laughs> for one, it's magic. And for two, there's talking robots from a, a cyber yeah. planet. It's magic. I know. Come on, it's magic. I know, but... Like, the thing is, it hurts to hold a sword when someone else is hitting it really hard. Yeah, but if it's the main thing you don't understand that's become part of your... It's like a symbiotic relationship. You are the sword. And it's a Transformer sword. Yeah. So maybe there's, like, stupid Transformer stuff. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Explanation. Stupid Transformer stuff. Don't worry. But gosh, seeing seeing this, uh, you know, dude from Boston who's really from Texas who's an inventor sword-fighting robots was so cartoony and glorious it just was was so dumb that it came around to being entertaining you know see by this point i was completely checked out and hated this movie i I can't stand all the cgi bullshit i i kind of enjoyed it it it, this movie i think i've used the chocolate chip cookie uh analogy before but it's or the metaphor before it's there's it's like a shitty cookie, but there's chocolate chips of good, like good parts in it where you're like, okay, I'm kind of on board. I'm going to finish this cookie. And this one was the mm-hmm. easiest one to finish because of that. Like it, you, you, you think it's going to go in a certain way, which all of this is predictable. You've seen this in other movies. Like a lot of this harkens back to imagery from like uh, star Wars, the force awakens um, and everything. But it's so ridiculous and dumb and just straight up dumb that I liked it. It kind of, it, it was serious, but uh, like overly so dramatic, but it also was so ridiculous that it was more fun than any of the ones previous. It would have been fun, except we've still got like 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. Fucking I paused around then thinking, oh, this is almost done. Like, this is definite, like, last act. Like, mm-hmm. You know, they're at the ropes. This is the, the time. And then, yeah. But it turns out, nope, because Nemesis Prime, before he switched back, handed the staff off to Megatron. Megatron took it to what's her face, the Medusa lady. Yeah. Uh, Quintessa. And then Quintessa. Uh, and now, Evan, guess what Quintessa's evil plan is? <laughs> you got me. What, what? I'll give you a hint. It's the evil plan of literally Every two other Transformers movie. movies and like 20 movies in this decade. The Terraformers? Gosh. How did you? Yep. It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Like it, it, it's not quite terraforming Earth. It's like sucking the energy out of Earth to bring it back to Cybertron. Well, it even looked like but, they were hoeing the land. Like it, it shows like a big rake thing going over the the Great Pyramids or something. And I interpreted that as like oh, shit. them like hoeing, like literally landscaping yeah, over everything. But yeah, they fuck up the moon. Holy fuck. Like, well, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that because this movie does have like the same plot of all these other movies and it suffers from the Voldemort complex where it's, it's like uh, every movie is uh, Megatron and it's like every Harry Potter thing. Oh, the, the, if it's not actually Voldemort, it's someone working for Voldemort. Like, there's yeah. no other mm-hmm. villain, and I, I thought that was exhausting. Of like, fuck, like you're bringing Megatron into and this again. again. Like I, yeah. like what? You're not adding anything else to it. It, it, it he's just, I don't know. It's, it's sort of just dumb because 
yeah it's just the same movie over and over again with different like little video yep. game action pieces Woo-hoo. and then uh so they see the moon getting fucked up so izzy back in south dakota with the other transformers is like oh shit the moon's getting fucked up we better go to the uk yeah and so there's this big fight like basically the rest of the movie is just the big fight at stonehenge which video game you know they're all on these floating platforms and they're working with not timothy oliphant because josh dumel comes back again and tyree i think is in the movie for like two seconds or something uh to like as if they're gonna do anything like like it goes from there to like the air force having a strike on this big machine this incinerator that um it works in this terraform machine like man of steel and all the other transformers movies um but it fails and so you know the big sacrifice is mark Wahlberg and well i guess i'm i'm moving a little ahead because how does izzy get off that shit or or i guess she yeah she um she goes with tyree goodson uh they jump off the floating platform they all have parachutes on and her and Gerard, uh, gerard carmichael are gone and then it turns into the slidey uh thing from transformers uh what three again three yeah but down you missed the part where her cute transformer kills like a bunch of the bad oh, transformers shit, with a huge gun yeah, yeah. Sweet. Uh, she's like you're small and ugly like no one will be scared of you so she just sends this thing and the things the transformers like mommy like yeah. uh sends the fucker to basically take out it reminded me of the uh, Nazi encampment at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan because uh, oh. it's like holding them all back yeah. and like uh, so the robot goes up there by itself and uses its gun to like blow the shit up and then we get the climactic stuff with like just being Mark Wahlberg and victoria wembley and a bunch of transformers on this fucking spaceship trying to take the staff out and kill quintessa well you're also and there's they're all weightless and then yeah they swing uh vivian like around until she lands on the the staff and is able to pull it out the worst part of modern hollywood movies for me is the entirely CGI final climaxes because your brain recognizes it's not real. Mm -hmm. And so there's no tension in any of it. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's the main problem I have with the Marvel movies. It's the problem I have with this. Well, I mean, exception to that. And I, I'm just going to be on the record and say that I thought solo a star Wars story was awful. Like that was probably one of my least favorite star Wars movies ever. But the thing that I, I I will say that I liked was that the ending of the movie, the big climactic battle scene, was in like an office, uh, which I I think that that's also dumb because it's like your big finale is in this dumb set. But I also yep. this is from a, a franchise where like Revenge of the Sith was them in like a lava flow, and it was so fucking dumb. Like 
it was cool to have like a, a smaller, you know, battle scene. But with Transformers, mm-hmm. it's always bigger, badder, like, you, you know, different ways of telling the same story. So, yeah, I mean, you're seeing these characters on these big floating platforms that are all computer generated, uh, just feeling like a cartoon. It was it was just ridiculous. And it's relentless. Like, I think relentless is the only way to describe a lot of Michael Bay's movies, because it, it just hits you over the head with, look how good these special effects are. Look, look how uh, how much money we spent. And I mean, I, I was reading that they cut like over an hour of out of this movie. And when you think of like how many, how much special effects that is, like how much work went into that extra hour, like making a six minute short movie is a lot of work. Cutting out an hour of footage and having a humongous budget that's over like $200 million is, is just, it's, it's pretty wild. That explains why it feels like the John Turturro stuff is kind of there to like piece the plot together it feels like maybe they cut a ton of shit out and then had that in to like make things flow better well i mean any he 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 steals those scenes too like he has these weird quips that are like uh he's talking to anthony uh hopkins and is like i, I never had a brother feels nice and he just like just random things like him and anthony hopkins i would i would watch a whole movie on uh mm-hmm. but i mean i'm i'm again just aghast that uh, we weren't in King Arthur times with Stanley Tucci as Merlin. That would have been a more interesting movie if it was like Dragonheart, where Merlin is hiding, uh, you know, loosely like Dragonheart, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, he's living in the castle and there's a Transformer that he's trying to hide. I guess that would be the same thing as the first Transformers movie where Merlin is now Shia LaBeouf trying to keep his his, uh, you know, new... uh, uh, uh electric carriage uh you know a secret like a transforming into a bulldozer carriage i don't know but uh but yeah they, they how do they well i guess uh they blow up all of the machine and cybertron recedes and megatron uh falls off the platform or something i honestly at this point yeah, was not Focusing. Well, I, I think that um, <laughs> Vivian uses the staff to destroy um, Quintessa, and then Megatron mm-hmm. falls off the platform. No, she uses the staff to stop the terraforming, but then Optimus is fighting Quintessa, and she's beating him, and he's like, but I have something you don't know about, and it's uh, Bumblebee. Yeah. Because Bumblebee comes up behind her and kills her. Well, that was the that was another interesting part of this movie is Bumblebee's role, and I think this was the more fleshed out part of the script, where the whole movie they're kind of leaning on Bumblebee being the main character. Like, I feel like Optimus Prime wasn't really in a lot of this movie as the leader of the team or anything. Like, he's mostly in space and being a dick. Um, so Bumblebee is kind of the new leader of the team and there's all this like i mean i'm reading way too much into this because it's the script is not this smart but it's kind of like (laughs) bumblebee is dealing with you know not having his friend around you know his leader optimus that he has to step into this role or this expectation of how do we keep how do we wrangle all of this together and i i felt like that was part of that character but it was also it's so inconsistent because again like 
he was super tight with Shia LaBeouf's character, but then never, it's not like there's a moment where he's like, gosh, I miss my little dude. Um, but he's also, uh, you know, it's also a way to keep the franchise moving forward without Bay. Because after this movie, I think, was it 2019, uh, Bumblebee came out with Haley Stein? No, nah, I think it was 2018. 18? I think it was oh, yeah, just the right. next year. So I, yeah. granted, haven't seen that movie at all. But I wonder if because Michael Bay has gone on record, like, officially saying this is his last movie, I wonder if that Bumblebee movie, which, again, I haven't seen at all, is kind of an extension, like, this is the last Transformers movie for a while until someone... Uh, you know, takes over or whatever. But the, if Bumblebee is moving that forward, if, you know. I think they were trying that to see how it would work. Uh, and that was a prequel, if I remember right. Yeah, oh, okay. I think it was set in the 80s. Uh, but I don't think it did amazing either. So I think they're just kind of putting Transformers on hold because they're just not making money anymore. Well, I think Which, we, we live in a different world, too. You know, uh, this came out in 2017. And the other movies that came out this year were, like, some hard hitters. Like, Logan came out this year. Uh, right? I Yeah, that came out in 2017. Uh, and then you had movies like, uh, you know, this is a couple years after um, The Force Awakens. And, and you have, like, a different type of audience who are going after different sort of things than this transformers franchise I, I can't think of any reason why this was so poorly reviewed of all of the transformers because this was the one that yeah. i was actually more amused by because it was so messy and i think people were like us where they're just so fucking sick of it uh <laughs> yeah i path. yeah like they're gonna grade them harder well, there's no and, demand. It's just like an autopilot at this point of, oh, there's a Transformers every other year, and it's like, maybe stifle it until people want it again, or another incarnation of it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Bumblebee actually did pretty well. Like, um, in most places, it's like in between a 6 and a 7 out of 10, but on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 91%. Hmm. Its but financially, like how did it? It was like well, the budget that I'm looking at here is like it has that range of 102 to 135 million. So I guess nobody really knows. Yeah, I feel like, but that... it made uh, 468 million. But again, uh, remember uh, the number you're looking at is you want to do at least like 3.5 oh, yeah. times. Yeah, that's that's so 3.5 times. Well, so if it was like 115 million times three, uh, 468 million is not bad. Yeah, you're breaking even. You're not walking away with a couple hundred million like they did on the first few. But, but I think yeah, exactly. you're not million. doing bad. But but I think in Hollywood, especially at this time as we get closer to present day, is you know the killer of a franchise. If if you make a billion dollars with one movie and then you have another installment, and granted you make a shitload of money, um, but it doesn't do as well then they're kind of like, nah, maybe we won't do another one. It's it's really not giving... Uh... Well, it's there's just so much that goes into the making of them that if, if they're such huge investments that if they don't end up pulling a shitload of money, it really ends up not being worth it because they're such big gambles. But, but I think part of that gamble is these ridiculous budgets that michael bay gets when you know like 
he if he cut out an hour of footage from this movie i can't even imagine that's the amount of waste not only time waste but literal like hard waste uh, like money waste uh i feel like it would be so interesting to have a a good script and like an interesting idea and make a smaller um like a smaller scale movie a smaller budget movie like if you if you leaned into the campiness of what this should be like uh the wachowskis did with speed racer or you know like uh the the live action scooby-doo movie not that i'm advocating for any of this but uh, if you have the tone of like, oh, we're aware that this is ridiculous. This robot semi truck turns into mm-hmm. a like a dude with a, a sword. That would be interesting. And if you make a smaller story by like a good filmmaker, like you know David Fincher, uh, then <laughs> <laughs> like a grizzled bumblebee movie, stung. You just yeah. call it stung, and it's like <laughs> yeah, a actually. it's a neo uh, tech noir where Bumblebee is trying to find Sam with Wiki. It, like, I'm just saying, like, you could make something like this interesting in capable hands, and I feel like all of these are, like, Avengers movies, where you have 30 different characters and types of Transformers and huge elaborate action scenes where there's no real, like, stakes or excitement, and it's just, at the end of the day, it's you're throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at just something that's not interesting or rewarding for an audience at this point that's kind of moved on so why not just develop smaller stories or elevate uh indie filmmakers like get someone else in there you know i think well the issue there is the only things that are really doing well at the box office now are like known franchise ips so it's the only safe thing is to keep doing this shit, even if you're running it into the ground. Like, well, I mean, that's everything else. I mean, these days there's literally no box office, but <laughs> yeah, in the past yeah. few years, I don't know if you want to nothing else has really succeeded. Uh, you know, on on demand. Yeah, I mean, or it's you know, her bloodshot. And in um, from what it sounds like, because obviously. If the listener doesn't know already, I haven't seen this movie. But from what you guys are talking about, it seems like the most far-fetched and fantastical and insane of the entire franchise. Um, is, would you agree that this is kind of like a a, a last-ditch effort to make a super grandiose Transformers movie before Michael Bay decides to put it down? I, yeah... It's kind of that. It it kind of feels like the idea was like a long coke binge. Yeah. Um, Let's take some King Arthur and some underwater shit and uh, Medusa. Yeah. Uh, It was like going through his journal for things that he wanted to do, and he pieced it all together into this weird World War II King Arthur story. Like there are so many weird ideas. I don't know. I this was the most effortless movie like viewing experience I've had in any of these Transformers movies. So I enjoyed it up to a point. Like I think the first five minutes where you have Stanley Tucci as Merlin, I would get I would pay twenty dollars to stream a whole Transformers movie of that <laughs> um, because it, it just Stanley Tucci. I mean, it's Stanley Tucci, but uh, this this movie was just less effort going through and i think it was also michael bay 
kind of teed it up well for the next filmmaker to take this on because the end of the movie there's like a stinger where it's not like a mid credits like a, a marvel thing or like an like a very end credits marvel thing it's like right when michael bay's name pops up on the you know directed by credit it you know scrolls over like a desert and then you see that quintessa escaped and megatron escaped and they're working on something oh, sure. and then you're like oh that's a stinger for transformers 6 but it was almost done like this completed I can't imagine with Mark Wahlberg not coming back and Michael Bay not coming back. I feel like it's strange they would put in a stinger like that because it's like, I can't well, they might not have known at the time. I feel like yeah. Michael Bay. I feel like it bookends it well. That Michael, he says that he's quit after every movie, and then they give him more money and he comes back. <laughs> That's right? true, but. Well. I mean, you have to think, especially after movies like 13 Hours and Pain and Gain, that it's probably so much less work at this point to make something this uh, this much of a spectacle. But it's like he got to make those movies because he did these movies, you know? Yeah. So I think at some point I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to them. But I am grateful to have them all gone it's weird you know it's <laughs> right. there's there's always been this waking nightmare every day um that i'll have to not only watch one but write about it and then recall it uh, <laughs> and talk <laughs> talk about it so it's kind of like a homework assignment like an exam is done and you really it's all coasting like you just read fucking the outsiders for the last time and now you're moving on to to kill a mockingbird you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm, Six Underground could be the most dog shit movie, but I am so thrilled to not watch a Transformers movie again, unless it's like Michael Bay's 80 and he's like, I'm going to, ret-. it's like, like he Ridley Scott's it where he comes back to Alien, you know, <laughs> like he comes back to Transformers right. after a bunch of just other shit that he's working on, like the next Adam Sandler direct to Netflix movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess at the beginning of the year, it was sort of announced that there is going to be a reboot. So it's weird to hear that there's a stinger at the end of this one, because now they're in talks or, you know, whoever that is, I don't know off the top of my head, are in talks to do two reboot Transformer movies, like just to start it all over again. Just but do I, I mean, that doesn't surprise me yeah. because years have Not passed. Not so surprised, they would have weirded. Well, think about how many movies set up a sequel that never happens. They probably right. shot this stinger in 2016 because yeah. obviously they put it in the movie before the movie came out and underperformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if the movie had made a billion dollars, they would have gone forward with it. Yeah. Well, so. like you said, Paco, he, he, Michael Bay has constantly done a movie or done a Transformers movie, said he's not going to do another one, then he gets brought on for another one. So, yeah. I mean, when they were shooting this and doing even post production, I'm sure. They didn't know what was going to happen, so mm-hmm. maybe there's going to be a sixth one. I don't know. I just I I can't imagine. Like I don't think Mark Wahlberg would come back. I think it's like it, it seems like all of these movies are like big Lego sets where you, you know you see all these different like oh there's an aquatic uh, transformer oh there's a dinosaur transformer like I feel like at this point have it more on a micro scale of a cheaper movie like even cheaper meaning like spend a hundred million dollars 90 million dollars on like a smaller story or explore a genre or like those dinobots were the coolest part of like coolest 10 minutes of transformers 4 
why not make like like a you know movie like that or a, a one set in World War II? Well, don't make one set in World War II. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just <laughs> like I, I think this is the end of the big monster spectacle, huge budget Transformers movies. Like I don't know if anyone would get like give some like Michael Bay kind of ran high budget. But I don't know if they Paramount after losing money on this one would have the same amount of budget as you know what they've been doing to Michael Bay. Yeah, Paramount's uh, been struggling among the major studios more than most. Oh, what about Top Gun Maverick? That's going to be the biggest thing when that's released. (laughs) Well, I think that was a big gamble that now they have to wait a long time to (laughs) see if it pays off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because they've got that, and they've got the Mission Impossible movies, but that's about it for franchises, I think, these yeah. days. Uh, yeah. I can't think. Yeah. Didn't Indiana Jones, wasn't that a Paramount? Uh, or was that always... I could have sworn that I remembered... Is that Warner Brothers? The first one definitely was. Isn't, isn't that a... Like, uh, the mountain turns into... Like, it, it, it yeah, transitions... In Raiders. Yeah, Raiders? Okay. Uh, but I think... Like, I feel like now they'd be DreamWorks because it's or Spielberg's studio. Too? Actually, yeah, because they would have been Lucasfilm as well. I don't know. Fuck, I know they're making that fucking fifth one. So. That no one asked yeah. for. That Although grumpy <laughs> Harrison Ford, like, if he brings the same amount of game that he brought to Blade Runner 2049, I am so on board. Mm. Uh, I just, yeah. The fourth Indiana Jones movie is unwatchable. Like it, it just is not. It's not not even like to gain headlines or be that person to give a you know a critique that everyone has been giving for the past you know like fifteen years. But that movie is a turd, like a bad. Even with like, uh, yeah, it's just a bad movie. Anyway, that's Transformers Five last night. <laughs> Jason, would you recommend it? I honestly yeah. like. I think if I were to look at all of the Transformers movies in my hands, I would probably pick out the first one and this one as being the better, like the more watchable ones. I feel like if, you know, there was one movie that had, that just had to go in the film registry as just like, Oh, we have to at least acknowledge a Transformers movie. It would be this. Well, probably not this one, but, like I think this is the second most watchable after the first one, and that doesn't mean that it's necessarily an amazing movie. Like I wasn't enthralled, and I was, but I did have a lot more fun with this one than any of the other ones. Uh, so I, I, I think I'd recommend it like to my nephews. I'd be like, oh, you should check this out. It's ridiculous, but probably like I wouldn't, you know, watch it again. Like one is enough. This is like a you know a Larry Clark movie. Yeah, I. Uh... Would not recommend it. I did not like it. I didn't like any of these, but of the Transformers movies, I think I enjoyed this the most. Uh, but just don't watch these. Yeah, like I feel yeah, dumber. I like I, I genuinely feel just <laughs> stupid. Like, am I not understanding the plots of these or the characters or anything? Or like, am I just, am I dumb? <laughs> or are you smart? I just on I, that now, question, <laughs> we will leave it. Now, well, now that you guys are done with the whole Transformers franchise, do you have any final thoughts or words to say about all just the whole I think Michael I, Bay Transformers? 
like to incorporate that into the overall final thoughts on Michael Bay yeah, I think, that we'll be doing uh, in a couple I, weeks. I think it's a good prompt. Like maybe, uh, you know, our listeners can tweet at us, uh, you know, what they think or what their rankings are. Because I'm kind of interested to see, um, you know, what other people think of these movies, uh, whether it's pro or con or if they've seen all of them, what they think the best ones are and why. Because uh, this is going to have to marinate. Like, granted, this one and the first one are my favorites. Favorite being, of course, a relative term. Um, but I, I don't know. That's a lot to think about because they all blend together. Like, I could not recite the plots of all of them in a row. Uh, they all no. bleed together into one huge, epic, shiny turd. Um, I, I think our listeners will definitely definitely notice how these are the hardest episodes to get through for us they're tough three three was an all-time low for me i think dark of the dark (laughs) of the moon was it's just it's so bad that i i wish that that um podcast had been five minutes where it's just uh you know i can make it five minutes (laughs) yeah just trim it to five minutes of like it sucked or or just like of uh you know dookie dookie in the toilet and then that's it. Just a couple plops and end up yeah. <laughs> But but at the same time, I I do as much shit as we talk about these and stuff. I, I do want to acknowledge that it takes a village to make a movie in general, and there is a shitload of artists who put in time and effort to these movies. And the, and and especially with the last night, there was a lot more stuff for them to do. Like there were more images for them to animate or to design or or just i I don't know like i I don't want to shit like i couldn't make transformers the last night so i would feel bad saying you know you know poo-pooing all over all these people that worked hard and they have to feed their families but uh you know it's it's just it's a tough one you know we're not necessarily the uh you know the targeted you know audience or maybe we are actually in the demographic for these but you know we didn't (laughs) anybody it's just it's it with all the marvel movies and any other kind of franchise i get and i just never really understood transformers or the need for them or or why it's it's so fascinating that you know why these people have those bumper stickers on their cars or grown man with the tattoos uh, or a grown person with tattoos uh, of, you know, a, a stupid Optimus symbol or what that means to people because it's it's such a two-dimensional character. Uh, and, I mean, these are, you know, it sounds dismissive and condescending, but, it, it, you know, more power to you for those that, that love these and, and bleed, you know, transformer grease. But I There's just... sentimental value. These are, these are tough. Like, it's it's different. Like, I could see um you know wolverine x-men origins actually that's a tough never mind uh like i could see (laughs) another bad franchise or another bad franchise movie and uh like the x-men movies like even the shitty ones like apocalypse or or whatever it was hard to get through they're just like at the end of the day you're seeing an x-men movie so i'm more interested in that as shitty as that is then the Transformers concept where it's really, it's not, nothing's at stake that I care about. You don't see any characters that you care about. It's just kind of like, okay, it's, it's there. I fucking hate these. These broke me. Yeah. 
I'm kind of, I'm again, I'm sad we don't have a pinata to celebrate that we are done with these again until, you know, 20 years from now, Bay returns to them. But uh, these are tough. This was the big hurdle to this uh, special series on uh, the filmmaker formerly known as Michael Bay uh, was the Transformers movies. They're just, they're just awful. You could make so many good movies, like give... Paramount could make so many good movies by giving a fraction of the budget, like parceling it out to so many capable filmmakers. They could make things so much more interesting. Like at this point, but again, those smaller movies just don't make money but, anymore. But I feel like you could make a movie for like $20 million and you'll still make back all your money. Like I, I think a great example that's recent is Blumhouse's invisible man movie, where I think it was less than $10 million for that movie. And not only does it look slick, like it looks like they spent way more money, um, but by uh, having a small budget that's so meek and then maybe having your actors take pay cuts, but, you know, make up that money on the back end, you can really yeah. make a substantial amount of money. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a hot take, but for the, ba the Batman movies, you know, it comes from detective comics. Why not make a small scale detective crime noir movie that's in black and white where it's like a rainy shitty seven type movie with Batman. You make it for and $20 million and see, but we know that that will be successful anyway, because it's got the IP like Joker made a shitload of money and it cost like 60 million to make. Yeah. Uh, but I'm saying like doing something that doesn't have that. If you're, really taking know. a risk and people don't go to the theater to see new things in but, big I mean, enough numbers with with uh, ryan johnson's knives out like that's out, kind yeah. of a new franchise because i think he's working on a sequel now like people yeah still... but but that's <laughs> the exception that proves the rule because he did the last jedi and all this other stuff like there's a few every year but the vast majority of the movies that they've tried to make in that range just bottom out and don't go anywhere, which is why they've stopped doing it. Well, well can you think of any other modern franchise like like that is currently at five or more sequels? Like off the top of your head? Because, I mean, it's not often that you see like Friday the 13th Part 8 like on a placard mm -hmm. at the theater. Like I'm trying to think of movies that, I mean, aside from James Bond, which are just kind of their own things, but... Well, like every superhero deal oh like star wars Captain america 10 i just yeah i feel like there has to be a boiling you know a point where people are just kind of done it which i guess the trends don't uh, correlate with that because every if you go through the top grossing movies every year it's either an adaptation or a remake or you know just something that people already know an ip that they are familiar with because why should we spend 50 bucks taking the family to the movies if we're not, you know, we don't want to take a risk on something. But it, it, and the smaller movies are all hopping over to streaming. That's true. so like, but like you can't make that same kind of profit. Uh, so it's not; it doesn't make sense for the big studios to do that for like a fifty million dollar movie, unless it's a Netflix fifty million dollar movie. Uh, Paramount just doesn't make enough off of it to make it worth their while. Is that maybe to say that eventually it's possible that theaters will just be a place for 
spectacle and making a shit ton of money and then like smaller more plot and um i don't know well it's already moving that way driven think about more streaming all the romantic comedies for example are on streaming now uh a lot of thrillers are just straight to streaming Mm -hmm. the only things that consistently are doing well are the franchise movies and like some of the oscar players like of course those are still gambles but those make their money at the theater i mean you're seeing like enthusiasts like everyone will go out and see the new paul thomas anderson movie or they're all going to go out and see the new quentin tarantino movie or they're all going to go out to see the new spectacle movie and the star wars movie to see it on the big screen i think when you think of like going to the cinema you're you're thinking okay i'm going to get a a dynamite sound i don't have all of these speakers in my house i'm going to get a humongous screen i don't have that in my house and when you're seeing like a movie in 3D, well, I guess 3D is a dumb example, but like if you're seeing, uh, I saw uh, right before the quarantine started, I saw The Invisible Man and I saw uh, Gretel and Hansel, which I actually dug by Oz Perkins. Um, and it's like seeing some of those movies that are like genre specific, like when you're in a theater during a horror movie, it's a totally different experience uh, than mm-hmm. if you just saw it by yourself. And the same goes for like, I guess spectacle movies are kind of dumber to watch with audiences. Like you could see Venom, Venom is a weird example, but like you could rent that at your house or you could rent a drama. You know, you don't need a humongous sound system and a huge screen to go see the new Judd Apatow movie. Um, but if you wanted to see the new Batman movie or, or a visual storyteller, like, you know, uh, James Wan, like, if you wanted to see like a visual, like Christopher Nolan, like a visual filmmaker, yeah. that's, that's really interesting to even examine what they're doing behind the, the camera, then the, the theater going experience is great. But it's also if but it's not necessary, if you market it directly to people, that also means you don't have to share profit with theaters. You don't have, no one gets a cut of your shit. You literally, you have the databanks, the servers, just let people, they're already doing it with theaters anyway. Like you're not seeing a, 35 millimeter film you're, you're seeing something that was that was sent electronically you know to these theaters to that are that have all been compressed and everything's digitized that it's no different than them doing that with you so you know it's i feel like that will be the future and especially with quarantine happening uh you know with COVID 19 i wonder how that's going to change movies moving forward whether it's plot device wise like how many movies are going to be about this uh, God, that's gonna suck. Like how, like how many genre movies are going to be about this? Whether they're a Seth Rogen stoner comedy of you know, oh, it's two people that are you know trapped in an apartment together and they have to have a you know Pineapple Express two, um, or if it's just gonna be you know people are going to realize oh we actually don't need movie theaters if we can just market it to people, but you kind of lose that sense of community which which comes with art house theaters like. Hollywood theater is a, a popular theater in Portland. That's an old historic theater that plays. Um, I mean, they have events throughout the month, uh, like B movie bingo, where they'll play like a VHS and you play bingo with an entire crowd of people or they, they curate amazing, they, they program amazing 35 millimeter films, or they have a true 70 millimeter projector to yeah. actually play film stock. Um, and when you, when you come out of a movie, like, you know uncut gems or something like a like a good like i saw um 
the hateful eight there in 70 millimeter and true 70 millimeter and walking out of the theater with everyone and everyone was excited and talking about it. Like that energy is very cool. It's part of the community of going to a film. And I feel like you kind of lose that if, you know, if I'm streaming it, you know, into my TV, like I don't have the best TV. I don't have the best sound system. I, who am I going to talk about it with my cat? You know, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's sometimes it's good to leave the house. Like don't eat where you, you know, shit. Or where you eat. Like it's it's cool to go out and actually like participate in uh, was it Aristotle's uh, cave, uh, you know, concept of just sometimes it's cool to be in the back of the cave watching shadows on the on the wall and you don't um, get to you know okay. participate. You you just watch. I don't know. I I think that's the cool thing about cinema that I hope doesn't go away. Um, but that's Transformers. Uh. The last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now that we're done with the or, plot TED talk, uh, let's uh, talk about the movie. Oh, God, no. Yeah, so <laughs> no more. Top. Yeah. Oh, you want recording? Let's, uh, let's start over. So it begins. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you guys realize we've been podcasting or at least talking for almost five hours now. Yeah. Yeah, this episode's gone for two. Yeah. Time, yeah. time flies when you're having Wait, fun. Wait, I mean, granted, there could be a lot cut out, but. Yeah. Just cut but, out. You know. I, I think we talked about this uh, before, but just cut out everything except the uhs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Silent, yeah. Everything. Just I want exactly. one. That'll be for our Patreon. Uh, you know, uh, friends. Um, just donate one penny, and you'll get an oh um uh ooh episode. <laughs> yeah. Anybody want some sound bites? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Well, any. Final thoughts you guys want uh, to say about Transformers Five? Don't watch it. Go out. Uh, do, I mean, if you don't have to, don't. But if for some, you if you're on a desert island and they have one copy of one movie and it's the last night, then I, I will just throw it away, burn it, eat it, find <laughs> a way to eat it. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think it's awful, but I I personally will never watch this again. I just uh-huh. it's. Yeah. All right. Free at last. Well, free at last. Uh, thank God Almighty. Transformers is in the dust. Yeah. And we are actually rearing up to the summit uh, or the present day summit, and uh, we will be back next week with Six Underground, the uh, Netflix uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, little one. Joint. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Thanks for listening, everybody, to us ramble on about these horrific movies. But uh, it was fun. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, remember to rate, view, and subscribe on Spotify and Anchor. Shout out to Anchor for producing this stuff. And uh, we'll see y'all, or let's, let's talk to y'all next week, I guess. Yeah, be safe. Yeah. Be safe, everybody. Be well. Bye. Bye.